0: Um, Our Bible reading tonight, the second one, comes from Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 19. Um, I know it's up there, but um, John will be preaching from this one, so you might want to flick it open. It's on page 21 in your pew Bibles. Okay, I think we're sorted down here. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham... Here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Bathsheba and Abraham stayed in Bathsheba.
1: Thanks Erica for that reading and the little helpers. Thank you. Isn't it encouraging that we see the Sorensons here each week with four little kids? That's commitment. Um, So thank you to the Sorensons. Well please keep your Bible open to chapter 22. Okay, well, let's uh, turn to God in prayer and ask him for his help that we might understand this passage in Genesis. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you might give us hearts and minds that follow your hearts and minds, thoughts that think your thoughts after you, and hearts that desire the things that you desire. We pray, Lord, that you help us to understand this passage and that our lives might be changed by it. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, now it's, today's the 28th of October, the end of October, and I suspect for many of us, this time of year is extremely busy. For students, there's lots of studies to do, uh, exams coming up. For those of us who work, those of us who earn money, well, it's perhaps a busy time for us as well. If you haven't done your tax return yet, it's during three days' time. Uh, for those of us who can't afford an accountant, it's June three days' time. So it's a busy time of year for many of us, isn't it? Fourth term, busy time, with Christmas coming up as well. Now, I wonder if this is true for you, but I find that when I'm busy, I tend to engage in some internal battle, the, the battle of the wheels inside me. So when it's busy, I'm thinking, should I do the tax return? Or should I take out the garbage slowly? Should I study or should I clean up my room? Should I prepare for exams coming up or should I watch Beauty and the Geek? You know, just to use my time wisely. Now, I don't watch this show, but apparently apparently, if, if there's a guy there who studies health science. So if you're studying health science, perhaps you're a geek and apparently if you study there's a guy there who studies aerospace engineering any, any aerospace engineers amongst us? I know there's at least three of us, well we're geeks apparently, I, that, that's news to me, I thought engineers then used to be I thought they were the cool people but apparently not well anyways during busy times I find that there's always the, this battle of the wills, the internal battle, the internal struggle what do I do, do this or do, do that? And, of course, that's sort of what our life is like. Struggles, internal struggles, challenges, stresses. Do I do this or do I do that? And I find that this is particularly true for Christians as we seek and strive to do what God wants, as we seek and strive to obey God. Do we do that or do we do something else? Now, I'm sure all of you Perhaps you're going through some struggle or some tough time at the moment. I'm sure all of us will go through some struggle, some internal battle. Do I do this or that? Well, I thought I'd share with you uh, a year in which was um, quite a tough struggle for Yvonne and myself, a year that was quite stressful for us. And that's because it was a year that would determine what the rest of our life would look like. It was a year in which we reached this fork in the road we had to decide do we do this or do we do that it was a year in which involved so many internal struggles and battles and this was 2007 it was a year that our daughter was born a great time stressful time but that wasn't the struggle that was easy for for me anyway not for Yvonne (laughs) but it was a year in which we had to decide what our future would look like A year in which we have to decide, do we live in Melbourne? Do we continue to stay in Melbourne or do we move to Sydney? A year in which we have to decide, do I continue in my career or do I go back to study? A year in which we have to decide, do I earn my own living? Sounds like a reasonable thing. Or do we decide to go back and rely on the government, rely on Centrelink? 2007, we had to decide, do I continue doing engineering work, which I love? Or do we move into full-time gospel ministry? And so it was a year full of decisions like that, internal battles, challenging, struggling, working out what do I do? What do I do for the sake of my family? Do I look after, do what's best for my family? Or do I think about taking this step of faith And so that was 2007. And I suspect you guys will have your own struggles and battles internally. What do I do? Well, in our passage today, Abraham is confronted with this huge internal battle. A huge struggle. A struggle that literally tears his heart apart. Do I love God or do I love my son? Do I love God or do I love my son? And so what's the internal battle we see today? What's the stress, the struggle, the challenge that Abraham faced? Well, God in this story appears to Abraham once again. But this time God comes to him not with a promise, not making a covenant with him. God comes this time to give him this strange command. Have a look at verse 2 with me. This strange command. God says, Take your son your only son isaac whom you love and go to the region of moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains i will tell you about now what's going on here sounds so strange i mean it sounds so crazy has god god gone crazy i mean what's god commanding here this is your son your only son whom you love now go and kill him. Strange, isn't it? Really weird. But what makes this even more shocking is that God's promises depend on this son being alive. God's promises to Abraham that he would become a great nation, that he will be the father of many nations, and that he will have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. It dependent on this son being alive. But now God is commanding him to kill him, to sacrifice him. What's going on? Just doesn't make sense. And it seems so cruel. But that was God's command. And so what did Abraham do? We can just imagine Abraham that night rolling around in his bed, thinking, stressing, struggling, hurting inside even, you know, this haunting reality, this Unspeakable tragedy. What should I do? Love God, or love my son? Love God or love my son? Now, in two thousand and seven, we we had it. We had tough struggles, but nothing compared to this. I mean, even thinking about what Abraham had to decide between—that's haunting. And so, what did Abraham do about it? I wonder if he told Sarah about it. I wonder if he told his wife about it, or did he keep it a secret from her? I mean, just imagine Sarah hearing what Abraham was commanded to do. Where are you taking my son? What are you doing? Are you out of your mind? Well, what did Abraham do? Well, it looks like he resolved in himself that night what he would do. That he would love God over loving his son. And so in the morning, they got up, they prepared the, the wood for the sacrifice, the donkey, and Abraham set out with Isaac and his servants. They went on this three-day journey. And again, just imagine, as they're walking for three days, as they're traveling on these donkeys, things must have been replaying in Abraham's mind. Did, did God really say that? Did God really mean what he said? Sacrifice my son the son of the promise. You know, you can just feel the internal battle going on in Abraham's heart. But then three days later, they arrive at the foot of the mountain. And what did Abraham say? Verse five, he says, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, do you notice what was strange then what Abraham said? Was he not serious about sacrificing Isaac? You know, it's the we. We will worship and we will come back. Was he trying to keep things hidden from Isaac to not let him know? Or was he just trying to hold out hope, hoping that things might be different? Well, what happened then? Isaac, he carried the wood. Abraham, he got his knife. They walked up the mountain. And into that silence, Isaac turns to his father and says, Father, Abraham, my son, yes. The, the wood and the fire, the wood for the fire are here. But but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Now, now you must sense the confusion in Isaac here. Now, something doesn't look right. Daddy's got the knife. I've got the wood for the fire. But where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? And then Abraham, verse 8, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Now I wonder why Abraham said that. Could it be that he's still trying to keep Isaac in the dark? Or was it because that was Abraham's faith, that God would somehow provide a sacrifice, a substitute in place of his son? And so what happened? Well, they... Got to the place that God told them about. Abraham prepares the altar. He puts the wood on the altar. And with very little description, he binds up his son Isaac and lays him on the altar. Now, I just find it so hard to imagine what that scene would have been like. You know, what would Isaac have been thinking at this time? The confusion, the fear in his eyes. He's being bound up by his father. At his wrists, at his heels, he's been laid on the altar. But yet here, he submits to his father. Strange, isn't it? Doesn't fight back. And what was going through Abraham's mind as he's doing this? Now, as he's tying up Isaac, was his heart in pain? Were there tears flowing down from his face? And now the moment of truth. Verse 10. He reached out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. So Abraham, in the end, went through what he resolved to do. Three days earlier, he resolved to love God more than his son. And now three days later, on the mountain, he's about to slay his son. But just as soon as he was about to slay his son, an angel of God called out, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. And the angel of the Lord said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. What a relief that was. And then over there in the thicket, a ram caught by his horns in the thicket, God provided a substitute, a sacrifice. And so the ram was sacrificed so that his son might go free. And then God says these last words to Abraham, the last time that we know of. God here expands on the promises that he's made already. Have a look at verses 17 and 18. God says... I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of the enemies, and through your offspring, not just you, Abraham, this is where it's been expanded, not just you, Abraham, but through all your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. God expands on the promises. And so here in this story, Abraham was tested. He was tested by God, and his faith was proven genuine. He had real faith in God. He believed in God, and he showed God that faith by doing what he did. So that's our story today. Now, why do you think Abraham had such incredible faith? Why do you think Abraham had such incredible, incomprehensible faith to do what he did i mean it looks so cruel what god got him to do but he decided to love god more than loving his son To, to obey god and so to sacrifice his son but how could he have such profound faith well you see abraham trusted in god he trusted in god's goodness he trusted in god's promises and we're told here that Abraham trusted that God would provide a lamb for the sacrifice Abraham trusted that God would provide a substitute and not only that Abraham in fact we learn from the New Testament that Abraham trusted that God can raise the dead so have a look at this verse from Hebrews our first reading Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead and figuratively speaking He did receive Isaac back from the dead. And so that was Abraham's faith. He believed in God and he believed that God would provide a substitute and that God could raise the dead. And so if anything, if we think about us today, we really should have the same faith as Abraham. And our faith should be just as profound as Abraham's. And that's because the God that Abraham believed in it's the same God that we believe in. And the God who who dealt with Abraham in that way is the God who deals with us in the same gracious way. The God who provided Abraham with the substitute for his son is the God who in the end provided his own son as the substitute for us to be sacrificed in our place. The God who whom Abraham thought can raise the dead He reasoned and he thought that God could raise the dead. Well, we now have seen that God can raise the dead and he has raised his son, Jesus. And you notice in this story, there are a lot of parallels, in fact, between this story and the story of Jesus. Notice the the relationship between the father and son. Isaac was his father's only son. His father's beloved son. And then we read the story of Jesus. Who is he? He's God's only son. God's beloved son. In his story, Isaac, he was made to carry the wood for the sacrifice. The wood to to burn him on. In the gospel story, Jesus was made to carry his own wood, the cross, to the place of sacrifice. Isaac here, when he was bound up, he willingly submitted to his father's will. Just incomprehensible that he would allow his father to tie himself tie him up well, in the account of jesus jesus willingly submitted to his father to go to the cross to die as a sacrifice and in the garden of gethsemane what did jesus say with with sweats of blood jesus said not what i will but what you will jesus submitted to his father's will But here, there is a difference. Isaac, there was a substitute for his life. The ram was found. The ram was sacrificed instead of him. But in the story of Jesus, there was no substitute. Jesus went to the cross. He died and he was sacrificed. And that's because he is our substitute. He died in our place. He died for our sins. He bore our penalty before God. And out of love, this is what God did. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ, our substitute, we are made right with God. And at the end of this story, well, we're told Abraham figuratively receive Isaac back from the dead that's what the author of Hebrew said but God literally received Jesus back from the dead Jesus was raised on the third day the real resurrection and so that's why Abraham could believe he believed that God would provide a sacrifice that God could raise the dead and in a sense we can believe that and believe more Because we have seen what God's sacrifice was for us. God's substitute for us. And we have seen that God can and has in fact raised the dead. Raised his son from the dead. And so if this is our God, if this is the God of Abraham and our God, how can we not have the same faith as Abraham? We are to have that same faith. How can we not believe God with our whole life? How can we not, like Abraham, obey God with all our lives? But then I suspect that though we might think this way, when we look at this story, we still think, that's extreme. That's an extreme test of faith. You know, yes, God did test it abraham in that way but surely we can't be tested in that way can we surely that was just for abraham no way god would do that now well the profound thing is that jesus commands that exact same thing the thing that was commanded of abraham it's in a sense still commanded of us today that we would love god more than our family look at jesus words here in mark chapter 10 Jesus says no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecution and in the age to come eternal life. You see what was expected of Abraham is in a sense still expected of us and Abraham showed his faith In raising that knife to slay his son. It will probably look different to us. But the principle is the same. And so we will be tested as Christians. We will be tested to see if our faith is genuine. Will I love God over loving my son? Will I love God over loving my daughter? Will I love God over loving my parents? Will I obey God Or will I do what I think is best, what I think is reasonable? And so, in two thousand and seven, that was a huge test for us. It's not that big, really, compared to Abraham's, but for us it was. And it's that's our personal story. We felt that we had these internal battles going throughout that whole year. What do we do? We, We were tested, not to the point of sacrificing anyone, but we were tested. And it was a time of testing, a testing of our faith nonetheless. And so we were tested. Can we trust God that moving to Sydney, to this strange place with Sydney people, is for our good, is for the good of our training? Could we trust God that moving my family unit away from all our extended family, from all our friends to this strange place with no family, No family support, no friends. Can that be good for us? Can we trust God? Can we trust God in our finances? Can we trust God that giving up a career, going into studying again, relying on the government, can I trust that that will be good for my family, for us, instead of continuing in what we were doing? Now, in saying all that, I'm not trying to boast in any way. It's a personal story of what we had to go through and our personal struggle and stresses and challenges. But that's our experience of God's testing, and it still remains a daily struggle. doesn't stop. But now, on this side of 2007, looking back, we can see that God was so good, so, so good to us. Sydney people, we were a bit worried but they turned out fine, just like humans. (laughs) We had no family in Sydney. Well, God grew our family in Sydney. Yvonne and myself, we probably had something to do with it as well, but Caleb and Ethan were born in Sydney, so our family grew. We had no family support, but we had these wonderful churches that welcomed us in as family. Family we've come to know and love. We had no friends. But God gave us many, many new friends. And and my Facebook friends, by the way, more than doubled after going to Sydney. And many of them are real friends, not just Facebook friends, but real friends. Hard to believe. Our little finances, can we trust God? Well, God provided abundantly. Having two kids meant two lots of baby bonuses, if that means anything to you. Have a baby and the government gives you some money. So that helped. And God sent the GFC, the Global Financial Crisis, because as a result of that, Kevin Rudd, what he did was he gave out this generous stimulus package with taxpayers' money, 950 bucks for me. That was good. And so God provided in those strange ways. And so you too will have your own battles, your own struggles, internal struggles, the battle of the wills. What will I do? What will I do? Will I trust God, do what seems incomprehensible? Will I trust God and do what seems extraordinary, what is countercultural, what is even crazy? Will I trust God or will I do what I think is best? What will I do when I am tested? Will I try to seek? Promotion and my create all expenses? Will I seek to strive to gain as much money as possible for the benefit of my family, of course? For the benefit of my family. Sounds good. Or will I seek instead to set my focus on being generous with all that God has given us? It's a different mindset. Will I trust God with the little that I have? Or will I trust in my own abilities? That is faith in action. Or this, will I trust God? This might be something some of you might have to face. Will I trust God? Will I instead think about aborting a child? When I get pregnant at 12 weeks and I do the Down syndrome scan and I find that this unborn child has Down syndrome, Will I abort the child It seems reasonable in the eyes of the world? Seems like the perfectly normal thing to do. Abort the child with Down syndrome? Or will I trust God? Will I trust God? Go with the pregnancy. Obey God. And show my faith in action. Now I say that because that's something that some of us might need to face in the future. When we reach that stage of life, when we're having children, they're one of the, it's a joyful time. But yeah, it can be quite a scary time as well. Will I trust God? Will I have faith in God? Will I put my faith in action? And so what will I do? But you see, this test, the testing of our faith, the testing that happens internally, the decisions we make, God sees all that. And so when God sees our decisions, will God actually say to us, your faith is a fraud. It was a dead faith. There was no faith there. But I can see that from your actions. Or will God see when we are tested and we've made our decision and we've obeyed that God can see that is real and genuine faith. Will God say to us what God said to Abraham? Remember what God said, God said, now I know that you fear God. In all our actions, we want to be doing it fearing God. And so in life, I shared a bit of my experience, not, not, not crazy at all, not major, compared to Abraham's, but they're the internal battles that we have to deal with. And you will too. You will have your own. How you will seek to serve God and obey him. The stresses, the challenges, and the stresses, and the tests. But let me finish off with this verse. It'll come up soon. I'll read it. This verse from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 32. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son. But gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You see, this is the God we believe in. This is our God. How can we go on living not trusting him? How can we go on living not obeying him? A God who would not spare his own son for us. And when we do obey, our faith is proven genuine. Now, today is a day where we remember Reformation Sunday. Luther, as a great display of his faith and obedience, he said to the emperor, to his face, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. In a sense, we must be able to say something similar. We must be able to say, here I stand. Here I stand, I can do no other, but to trust and obey you,
0: so help me God. Let me pray.